BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Woe for Lake Wobegon. Yes, indeed. Garrison Keeler, the latest to fall. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Thursday. Thursday, November 30. And another edition uh, of The Bill Press Show booming out to you from uh, Washington, D.C., and our studio in Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action here, uh, just down the street from the United States Capitol building, where we will uh, hopscotch through the headlines of the day with you, tell you what it all means, and give you a chance to uh, sound off about it on Twitter, at BP Show. I've got a great lineup of guests today to take a look at uh, among the many, many uh, issues to, uh, to, to cover uh, more Alan, more women coming forward about Matt Lauer, and the more we hear about his uh, shocking behavior at NBC, the more we understand why he was summarily fired. Uh, Garrison Keillor, again, for a lot less, uh, fired by uh, uh, Minnesota Public Radio uh, yesterday, um, and uh, uh, we um, maybe... A lot of talk about maybe that firing was not uh, justified. Uh, Garrison Killer didn't protest it. Donald Trump, uh, again, uh, are we shocked by anything he does anymore? Hardly. Uh, but uh, retweeting three fake Muslim, uh, uh, fake videos about uh, alleged Muslim violence uh, in the U.K. And we find out that uh, Robert Mueller, still on the job, his latest person he's brought in to quiz is none other than son-in-law Jared Kushner. Uh, with all of that, so much to talk about. We'll jump right in. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, like it or not, we are officially in the Christmas season, Bill. The holiday season is upon us. And so since Labor Day, I think. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> well, there's a new trend for Christmas this year. Did you have your Christmas tree up yet? No. Okay. Well, there's a new trend. Home Depot, Target, Walmart, Kohl's, Bed Bath Beyond are all selling upside down Christmas trees. So you could go buy these trees. What's and the they're point? They're inverted. Yeah. Because people think it looks funny. <laughs> And do you hang it from the ceiling instead of... No, uh, no, it's a fake tree, and oh, it comes with oh. its stand, and then you just have it upside down in your house. 
Well, so I you can show all the idiots that come over to your house how funny you are. How funny you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it a yes or a no for you, Bill? Uh, it's a big no. Shock! No! But again, if they're going to have it upside down, then they should hang it from the ceiling rather than stand it on the floor. Sure. Yeah, what the hell? Why not? Hey, don't look now, but Republican Roy Moore is back in front in Alabama's special Senate election. Now, he had lost a lot of ground in the polls after the allegations of child molestation and sexual misconduct were leveled against him. But starting uh, this past week, three new polls are out from Change Research, Emerson College, and JMC Analytics. All show him leading Doug Jones with five to six percentage points. Why? Is that, you might ask? Well, 538 takes a look at it. They say basically it's just time that has passed. And also, Donald Trump has helped. In the sense that, like, we know that Donald Trump has been terrible to women and has a bad track record on this, and people elected him. So I I hate to say it, but if people are dumb enough to elect Donald Trump, they're dumb enough to elect Roy Moore. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's one positive. He got interrupted by a heckler at a church last night. Never once has anyone stated anything like it has occurred in the last three and a half weeks. That's that's all. The entire town, all the girls are lying. The whole town says you did it. Oh yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Good for him. I love, by the way, that same at that same event where he was speaking. They limited photos and videos because he said, "Well, we don't want yeah. to give the whole picture of what we're doing here because we don't want to give Al Qaeda any way to come and uh, attack us." <laughs> <laughs> That's it's not 2002, a joke. ladies and gentlemen. That's not a joke. 2002. <laughs> On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, uh, you are listening to, you are watching the lone male anchor left standing in the United States today. Everybody else has fallen, it seems. What do you say? Hello, everybody, on Thursday, November 30, last day of November 2017. Great to see you today, and welcome to the Bill Press Show. How about it? We are uh, here with you anywhere in this great land of ours from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. with all the news of the day. Got a great lineup for you today. Sarah Fisher, who's a media reporter for Axios, will be along about a half an hour. Uh, And then Ben Schreckinger uh, used to be with Politico. You remember him. He covered Donald Trump for Politico. In fact, Donald Trump... uh, Until he got kicked out. Until he got kicked out. Banned him from from his campaign rallies because uh, Ben wrote some negative... Uh, critical stuff, we should say, about uh, Donald Trump, and Trump didn't like it. Now writing for GQ magazine, and Alan Pike from uh, Think Progress will be along as well. To take a look at the big stories of the day, more charges against sexual harassment coming out, sexual assault coming out uh, against uh, Matt Lauer, Garrison Keillor also losing his job. Donald Trump uh, tweeting out fake videos and uh, the White House press secretary defending them, saying it doesn't matter if they're fake videos. The point is uh, they, they, they there's an important lesson there, and that's what we ought to be talking about. Uh, fake news, fake videos, it doesn't even matter. And uh, Robert Mueller invites in and, uh, and puts under oath 
son-in-law Jared Kushner as part of the continuing Russian investigation. All of that coming up as we join you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Remind you again that you can't just watch on YouTube. Well, you can, but what we want you to do when you do is hit that subscribe button and sign up uh, as a loyal member of the Bill Press team there on YouTube. Uh, And don't forget, our running series on the making of Bernie Sanders is available for you exclusively and nowhere else on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Bill. BP Show. BP Show. Come on. Patreon.com slash BP Show. Slash BP Show. And uh, we're also joining you, of course, on WCPT out in the great Chicago area, Indiana Talks uh, in uh, the Indianapolis area. And... uh, on Free Speech TV. How about it? Yes, indeed. Uh, it was yesterday during the program that the uh, headline flashed on our TV monitors that NBC had fired Matt Lauer. Uh, we were wondering why it happened so fast, so suddenly, um, without like any time to say we're going to investigate the charges or we're going to suspend him while we look into this whole matter. Uh-uh. They summarily fired him even though he'd been there uh, some 20 years as co-host of the Today Show, and, by the way, was taking home $25 million a year. Man alive. Man alive, and he threw it all away with some, well, now we know why they fired him. It was pretty gross behavior, uh, and more women have come forward. And it turns out that Variety and the New York Times had both been working for weeks uh, on an expose of charges uh, against uh, uh, Matt Lauer. And uh, NBC kind of knew this was coming. One of these women went to NBC itself, and once they heard her story, uh, which began, she said, with uh, uh, she was a producer, um, Matt Lauer uh, assaulting her at the beginning at the Sochi Olympics in 2014, uh, and his behavior continued. Uh, just stories that, I mean, the guy is sick, sick, sick. He had his office at NBC um, rigged, right, so that he was able to invite, he could invite women into his office, and then he had a button under his desk where he could push this button and lock the door without having to get up to lock the door. And these women are basically prisoners, you know, in his office. That's amazing. With this sexual predator um, stories. I mean, uh, all kinds of gross stories, including a woman would walk in and he would just drop his pants and expose his penis and uh, and uh, and on from and on from there. He is uh, out out of a job uh, and um, and and rightfully so. And so many women said several of these women told The New York Times and told Variety magazine that um, he had uh, um, that they had voice complaints about this over the years. That they it may not be the current president of NBC and Andrew Lack, but under previous certain administrations, they had gone, they had complained, and they said they were just met with deaf ears. That he was the moneymaker for the network. He was the the, the biggest face on the network, and. Um, they they put the bottom line over uh, any uh, proper standards of behavior for uh, for their star anchor. This I mean, and and that 
you see playing out and you hear that story and you read about this and you're right, this is not just an NBC problem. Mm -mm, mm -mm. This is a problem that women have had for a long, long time. If you make an accusation against a powerful man at your company, they would rather protect their investment with that man than to care about your personal safety or your professional work environment. Yeah, you're just considered a troublemaker, as Melanie Sloan, our friend and one of the women, the first woman to come forward by name, uh, with accusations about uh, Congressman John Conyers, said she was told that she was mentally unbalanced by even raise. People were told that she was mentally unbalanced uh, just for raising for raising uh, this particular issue. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's certainly uh, Matt Lauer joins, of course, a growing list now: Bill O'Reilly and Mark Halperin. Um, Harvey Weinstein, in the entertainment and slash media industry, Harvey Weinstein, Bill, did I mention Bill O'Reilly, Roger Ailes, I mean, the list goes on and on of, um, of men uh, who have been accused of either sexual harassment, sexual assault, or even rape in a couple of cases and have lost their jobs. Um, but by the way, this, this whole practice of, the, 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 we talked about this earlier, of locking the door. Oh, my God. Why? Why? And by the way, he didn't, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I've investigated this, I'm sure that Matt Lauer did not go down to the hardware store and get a little button and run the wires yeah. and rig his door no. so that that, that, no. That was that didn't done, happen. That was done that by NBC happen. engineers at the request of Matt Lauer. Well, by the way, there are more How, of those there. There are more of those, uh, uh, like... Remote locks in that building. I I'll guarantee bet you, it. I'll bet you. Now, I wonder, what explanation did he give for needing to be able to lock his door without having to get up? First of all, why would you lock your office door anyway, unless you were doing something you didn't want anybody to, right? Yeah. Interrupt. Even if you were, and I do know this happens because I've seen evidence of it, that anchors <laughs> uh, in... Maybe, maybe major TV anchors, they'll have a wardrobe in their office, right? Sure. Some of them will have a dressing room, but others, I, I remember going into one, I won't even name the name, at NBC, at NBC at 30 Rock in New York, and it was just like a, a, a rack, yeah. you know, and all these suits were hanging there, right? Because yeah. they didn't have a dressing room. So I could see if you're going to, you have to do it, put, put your suit on before you go on the air, right? You don't wear that all day long necessarily. That you'd close the door. Yeah. You have to lock the door, yeah. even. Well, but, I mean, but, but, look, but you have the door, fine. You, but have to get up yeah. and lock it. Yeah, then. get up and lock the door. Yeah, <laughs> but have the secret button, click, and 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 so you're a young woman and you come in to see the big cheese, right, for the network, and you come into the office and sit down and then you hear the click and know he's locking the door behind you. It's horrifying. Yeah, just that, that in itself is sexual harassment, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the latest on, uh, on, on Matt Lauer. You know, that, but, and by the way, uh, so on this issue, I guess, um, we do have, um, though, some new rules, right, Jamie, that have been laid down by the man that we should all look, look up to Dude. for advice on any subject. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Geraldo, Geraldo. Rivera. Geraldo Rivera using his personal Twitter account yesterday to share his thoughts about Matt Lauer, who he called a great guy 
highly skilled and empathetic with guests and a real gentleman to Geraldo's family. So mm. I just want to read some of the, the further tweets from Geraldo because... So he put out some rules, is that it? I mean... Yeah, so... Uh, rules of, for the, uh, rules oh, of the road. The fourth tweet in the series here, uh, these all came within a matter of minutes, Geraldo Rivera tweeting about 15 hours ago, hashtag sex harassment allegation should require... One, made in a timely fashion, say within five years. Oh, okay. Two, some contemporaneous corroboration. Wait, so that if you don't, then they don't count, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, five years, it's out. Yeah. Okay? Two, some contemporaneous corroboration. like these rules. Like sure. witnesses, electronic or written communication with money settlements in multi-million, slight chance exists some victims are motivated by more than justice. Oh, I see. Man. Right. Mm -hmm. So Geraldo's very skeptical of most of these allegations, including the ones, the multiple ones against his friend and a man who was very good to his family, Matt Lauer. Well, well the, of one course. of the big problems with that, by the way, is like, you know, he encourages women to report these in a mm -hmm. timely manner. Well, like, a they lot did. of them do. A lot of them did. A lot of them do. And they just, as we just talked about, right, they get shunted aside. So, well... Let's, we certainly, nobody, nobody would ever have accused Geraldo of any inappropriate, oh, wait a minute, yeah, maybe, uh, Bette Midler, actually, back in 1991. Geraldo and his producer came to do an interview with me in the 70s, the early 70s, and this was when he was very sort of hot, and he and his producer left the crew in the other room. They pushed me into my bathroom. They broke two poppers and pushed them under my nose Whoa. and proceeded to grope me. And I didn't have any idea. Grope me. I did not offer myself up on the altar of Geraldo Rivera. He was, unse he was unseemly. Oh, okay, Geraldo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're he's, the last one who ought to be putting out rules. Uh, he's just but. like Donald Trump. Yeah. When... Yes. Trump did this yesterday morning. The guys who are suspected of doing things that that these media men are being taken down for are shouting, no, 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 look elsewhere. I'm not, you know, like, they want to take any attention away. They don't want to be next. Right. You know what I mean? And Geraldo Rivera, we, know, we already know, is guilty. He still has a job with Fox News. Of course. Uh, there is, and this isn't first, uh, the Bet Midler is not the first allegation we've heard against him either. Uh, by the way, there is one solution to this, at least when it comes to politics. Um, if you um, find that it's really gross behavior uh, for a politician uh, to call you into his office and drop his pants and, and, uh, and proudly display his penis, um, there is one solution, as Dana Nessel, who is a candidate for attorney general in Michigan, uh, points out in a in a in her campaign ad, which started running yesterday. We need more women in positions of power, not less. So when you're choosing Michigan's next attorney general, ask yourself this: Who can you trust most not to show you their penis in a professional setting? Is it the candidate who doesn't have a penis? <laughs> I'd say so. That's a great ad. That's a great ad. That's, that's just a great ad. That's one answer, right? Yeah. That's perfectly distilled yeah. right there. Throw all the bastards out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for it. Oh, yeah.
at any rate. Oh, uh, you know, somebody with a sense of humor, and you know, she'll score with that. Uh, I hope so. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, by, uh, and, uh, so we've got to mention Garrison Keillor, too. i got to tell you, I am really mixed about the Garrison Keillor thing. What, I, and I've read everything I can about it. What we know is uh, one allegation, and one woman, and and we haven't heard her entire story, but what we've read and what about, uh, but, but the newspapers in Minnesota have re- reported is that this was a woman he knew she had some problem and he was she came to him with this problem he was counseling her he reached over as part of a gesture he says of support I put his hand on her back her shirt she was what the kind of shirt she was wearing was open on the back and his hand went up about six inches she recoiled he said oh my god I'm sorry I didn't mean anything by that he wrote her a letter of apology she accepted it and said Forget about it. It's we're, we're, we were friends before. We're still friends. Boom, boom. But I don't know how many years ago that was. And now suddenly he's sued for sexual harassment. Minnesota Public Radio fired him right away. Um, he's certainly no Roy Moore. He's certainly no Matt Lauer. Um, not even an Al Franken. I don't think. I mean, I, I. You know what I fear, is that. It is so important what we're going through right now that women are finally being heard. They're finally being taken seriously. They're finally being listened to. And some of these jerks are losing their jobs, right? If we go too far so that any sign of support or any touching at all is considered sexual harassment, then I think this whole thing could boomerang. Don't don't want to see that happen. Uh, I think in in the case of Garrison Keillor, uh, <clears throat> they went too far. At any rate, from what I from what we know, and that may change, but uh, so far in the last twenty four hours, nothing has. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is up to his old well, not his old yeah yeah he is up to his old tricks, which is saying or doing anything without any basis whatsoever in reality, uh, and crossing boundaries that were thought totally to be unacceptable before for, for like anybody, but certainly for the president of the United States. And the most recent outrage is his retweeting yesterday of three videos which allegedly show Muslims uh, with acts of violence uh, in, in the UK. And these were, these had originally been put out there, put up online, by this radical fringe group led by this one woman in the UK who's, who's, who's considered a real nut, uh, has... Even Piers Morgan yeah, yes. had to say, undo these retweets, she is a lunatic. Right. Considered a lunatic. That says a lot. Has a very small, extreme, radical uh, group who are totally anti-Muslim in the UK. Uh, and she had put up these videos. She has like something like five thousand followers. I'm, I'm, I forget the exact. She has seventy eight thousand. Oh, seventy eight thousand. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> that's all right. There, yeah. there are seventy eight thousand crazy people. In the crazy world. people, I'm, right? Seventy eight thousand followers, right? She, Donald Trump retweets them, so now it's out there to forty five million. She puts out a tweet afterwards saying, "Thank you, Donald Trump, and God bless Donald Trump." Oh, right. God. And every one of the New York Times has a good piece this morning where every one of these videos has been totally discredited. Um, 
it doesn't like for example there's one one i remember it's a muslim beating up a dutch boy right and getting away with it well it turns out neither one of the muslims they were both born in the uk are both born in the netherlands and it was a fight between two guys in the Netherlands, and somehow it was resolved. I don't know. There was another one where allegedly it showed a Muslim throwing a guy off a building. Well, it turns out that was a video that was done in Egypt. It was a part of a riot after the Muslim Brotherhood was thrown out of office, and it happened in Egypt, and the guy who did it was arrested by Egyptian authorities and hanged. For his crime. Um, so, I mean, it's a whole whole thing. And Donald Trump retweets it out. The prime minister of the UK, Theresa May, who, by the way, has been pretty buddy-buddy with Donald Trump, put out a statement condemning the president for retweeting uh, uh, the, these videos and for basically, um, you know, praising or encouraging or credit ratifying the work of this extreme group uh, in the UK. Uh, and as to the official White House response, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, it doesn't matter if we put out fake videos at all. It doesn't matter if these videos are real, she told reporters yesterday. Whether it's it's a real video, the threat is real, and that is what the president is talking about. That's what the president is focused on, is dealing with those real threats. Uh, and those are real no matter how you look at it. Oh, my God. That's yeah. like saying, yeah. I know the Lord of the Rings movies aren't real, but the fires of Mordor are a real thing that we have to combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not real. What do you no, mean? You're no. admitting that they're fake. She, she admits that they're fake and says it's okay for us to put out fake videos because the message, well, the, what the message uh, is, the message is that all Muslims are violent people, right? That Islam is a violent religion, and therefore, we should be we should be against hate all Muslims and not allow any into the. This is pure Donald Trump racism, uh, all over again with these using these fake videos. By the way, how did he see these videos anyway? I mean, you wonder how he discovered them. I mean, you know, I doubt he was one of her seventy-eight thousand followers. But again. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders going on saying, this is the, the the third clip there, Jamie. She's that what we're talking about is border security. We're talking about border security right now. We're talking yeah. about the so, need for it. Uh, so I think that it's accomplishing exactly that. Great. <laughs> Great. Great. Mission accomplished. Great. It all comes back to the Great. wall. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's like saying I I saw the new Avengers: Infinity War trailer and space aliens are coming to destroy the world, and so we have to build a wall to keep space aliens from coming out. It doesn't matter that it's not real. Mm. Mm. No. The threat could be real. All right. So the White House admitting that the president is retweeting fake videos, but that this is a guy, of course, who is every day attacking the, the media as fake news. They admit that he's putting out fake videos, but it doesn't matter because the message is, again, anti-Muslim message, which has been his message all during the campaign. And uh, and as president of the United States, remember the first thing he tried to do, of course, was the ban on Muslims, which is still not resolved and still has not been approved by the courts. Uh, but that the, the, the fact that they would go so far is just, just unbelievable. Um, but you know, it, it gets to the point where the there is practically and th- this should trouble us all. 
There's practically nothing that Donald Trump can do or say no. that he will be held responsible for. He can get away, or put it another way, he can get away with anything. The Pocahontas remark th- this week, no. Of the whole history of sexual harassment, sexual assault, bragging about it, no. Doesn't touch him. Everybody else gets fired. You know, he's president of the United States. And now sending out these fake videos and no consequences uh, at all. No price to pay for Donald Trump. And Republicans, he's destroying, he's destroyed the party. Uh, and they, they'll do nothing about it because they want his signature on the tax bill. Yeah. And that's all they care about. You know, you know a lot of them are just disgusted, embarrassed by this guy, but they'll never take him on. Even, and i got to tell you, the guy that really is getting under my crawl this week is Bob Corker. Here's a man who has said over and over and over again, I was elected to Congress uh, on a message of fiscal responsibility, and I will, This his whole legacy in Congress has been, I will never vote for anything that's going to add money to the deficit unless it's paid for. I mean, in other words, you take something, if you're, if you're spending more, you've got to take something away so you don't add to the deficit. That's been his whole legacy in Congress, his whole message in Congress. And then this is a guy that came out, the first guy to come out and said Donald Trump is a lunatic, basically, that's an adult daycare center down at the White House now. And yet, Bob Corker, he did it again this week, has voted every single time to advance this tax cut bill which is nothing but adding $1.5 trillion to the deficit. And how does Bob Corker justify it? He can't justify it. Yeah. If anybody, not running for re-election, critical of Donald Trump, a genuine deficit hawk, we thought he should be one no vote on that bill. And every procedural vote so far to get this bill to the floor, Bob Corker has voted for. Total, total hypocrisy. Total hypocrite. Oh, one one other, uh, one other. You know, we love Pope Francis, but um, I gotta say, and there have been a lot of stories about this, and it's just worth mentioning. I, I'm so disappointed. We all should be in Pope Francis, who goes to Myanmar, where where there is one of the worst human rights campaigns and crusades going on right now. Uh, it basically genocide, where the government there um, have so far sent what six six hundred thousand Muslims out of the country, the Rohingya who have had to flee uh, in in uh, out of the out of the country. Um, so many alarms raised about this. Uh, the leader of Myanmar, who won the Nobel Peace Prize. The new leader, I can never. Aung San Suu Kyi. Thank you, Aung San Suu Kyi, who has totally disappointed the world by not saying anything about this, letting the military expel these Muslim people, the Rohingya. Um, she's lost all credibility. The Pope goes there and makes his big speech and never even mentions the Rohingya, never even mentions this problem. Uh, and I mean, this was a guy that we thought, you know, had a backbone, right? Why? Why? I mean, th- this is like, the, the, this is outright genocide, uh, and um, and says nothing about it. Uh, well, 
Not even the Pope is perfect, I guess, is the answer to that. But big disappointment, not just for Catholics, but for uh, all of us around the world uh, who believe in human rights. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about what's happening to the media here. Not just all these allegations of sexual harassment, but what's happening with the issue of net neutrality. Sarah Fisher is the media reporter for Axios, uh, joining us here in studio on this Thursday, November 30. Who can you trust most not to show you their penis? Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And on this Thursday, November 30, uh, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, Bill Press Show, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and booming out to you coast to coast uh, on the radio and on television. Uh, great to see you today and um, doing you a great big favor. You know how, con- uh, how uh, convenient it is. Uh, you can just go on Amazon today and buy anything you want. One one stop shop for like anything. I just went on and bought, uh, shopped for cameras for uh, for our uh, grand grandkids oh, for nice. the holidays. Uh, well, I'm going to make it as easy for you to find something special for you or a loved one in your family. Just go to our website, BillPressShow.com, and link uh, and push the link. Follow the link to Carol Press Scarves. And you can be uh, the lucky buyer of a hand-woven scarf like the one I'm wearing today um, by Carol Press, my wife, with all kinds of different colors and designs to choose from. This one is Rayon Chenille. She also makes them in bamboo. Uh, They're great gifts. And again, you deserve uh, something special um, this season for yourself uh, and also for someone that you love, man or woman, um, teenager, whatever. Check it out, BillPressShow.com at Carol Press Scarves. And we now have a little bit of breaking news on the media front uh, to help us uh, through all the news on the media front. Sarah Fisher joins us. She's a media reporter for the great Axios. Nice to see you. Good morning. Nice to see you as well. And that is a great scarf. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, lots of different colors. So check it out. Check but it out. somebody in the press family has some talent. <laughs> all, right. all right. Now, we uh, just just during the break, uh, some uh, some breaking news here on the media front. Uh, Peter, bring us up to date. Uh, Matt Lauer has issued an apology. He has obviously been silent about this since yesterday morning when these came to light. He says, uh, just reading part of the apology, quote, There are no words to express my sorrow and regret for the pain I have caused others by words and actions to people I have hurt. I am truly sorry. He also goes on to say, quote, Some of what is being said about me is untrue or mischaracterized, but there is enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and ashamed. I regret that my shame is now shared by the people I cherish dearly. Repairing the damage will take a lot of time and soul searching, and I've committed, I'm committed to beginning that effort. It is now my full-time job. Well, no, no kidding, you don't have a job. So, like, yeah, he's going to have to do that. Right. So that is his apology. So, Sarah, you know, Bill o- Roger Ailes, Bill O'Reilly, Matt Halperin, I can't even remember all the names uh, in, in the media, Charlie Cousins. Rose, you know, uh, 
yesterday, Garrison Keillor, Matt Lauer. What's going on? Well, we're seeing obviously a pattern where powerful men are taking advantage of that stature and they are putting young women who seek you know, careers in their industries in really compromising positions. I mean, one of the biggest um, you know, underbellies of this story is all the women who've been impacted here, how has that affected their careers? Have yeah. they left the industry? Have they felt uncomfortable staying at that company and moving forward? I mean, that's the biggest devastation of this is that you have a lot of what would be rising stars now for the first time are starting to feel vindicated. But for many years, I mean, these allegations go back in the Harvey Weinstein case decades for many years felt like they were put in situations where they couldn't succeed. That that was like in in so many of these stories that are coming out, you hear about women who had this happen to them and they came forward and they tried to do something about it and nothing happened. And the thought of having to look their harasser or abuser or whatever, you know, whatever instance, having to look that person in the face was too much. So they would just leave. Yeah. They would just find another job and they would just leave, which means whatever you've built up at one company, you have to start all over again. That's absolutely right. And like that, that's happened. Mm hmm. God knows how many times. I think uh, as someone who covers the media, I think if there's anything we find changes after this, it's that the core infrastructure of how these media companies operate and manage their human resources departments and communication departments to manage this type of instance will have to change. Like the fact that with Charlie Rose, a young woman went to a producer and said, this is a problem, but the show's infrastructure was isolated from the rest of PBS and CBS meant that they couldn't necessarily get their voice heard in a way that they probably should. And so it's up to those companies to make sure that the processes are in place so that if a complaint ever comes through like that, there is a way that they can address it seriously and quickly. Right. Um, and and as we've pointed out several times this week, uh, that same process, expeditious process, fair process, open process, uh, should exist uh, in the United States Congress. But of course, does not. I mean, if the media has been slow to act, the Congress has been worse. Mm. At least the media is taking action today. The Congress is not. You know, it's completely true. And there was a movie that came out about four or five years ago with Uma Thurman called Northern Country, which detailed sexual harassment in coal mines with women. And I thought to myself, if we can't get it right in some big institutions that have structured HR departments and communication departments, what do we think is happening in the rest of America that may not have processes Mm -hmm. at all for this type of thing? It's really refreshing to see, though, that it's making cable news headlines. It's making headlines all around the country so that other industries less you know popular industries are getting some recognition that this is a problem everywhere one of the one of the uh, stories that has kind of resurfaced uh, in the last 24 hours since Matt Lauer was fired is the firing of Ann Curry that's uh, right what about five years ago or so yep. when um, um, Matt insists that he had nothing to do with it <coughs> but there are there have been many stories about the fact that his the, the he said that probably if you want me to stay, she's got to go. Yeah, and we're now understanding this from a totally different lens on Ann Curry's side. I mean, uh, Brian Stelter wrote a great book, Brian Stelter, the media correspondent at CNN, called Top of the Morning, where he detailed how this sort of rocky relationship ended up falling through with Ann Curry's side. Now people are wondering, 
you know, what other staff members or people were affected yeah. by Matt Lauer's character? Yeah. And it's going to take a lot on NBC's end to really carry out a thorough investigation to peel back all of the people that were affected. But I will say this is a messy situation for NBC. If you think about it last year, uh, they held on to the tape of Billy Bush and Donald Trump only to have it scooped by The Washington Post. Yeah. Ronan Good Farrow point. came out right. and said, I have a story for you. And they said, nope. And Ronan Farrow had to take it elsewhere. Then, this was the story of the Harvey Weinstein. Right. So they buried the Access Hollywood tape. They buried the Harvey Weinstein story. Then when it comes out that there are sexual harassment allegations within their own walls, they take very swift action. You notice that (laughs) Matt Lauer's producer actually was uh, let go earlier this year for sexual harassment allegations. And so the pattern that we're seeing is... May I add one more to that? Yes. They kept Donald Trump on the air for 14 years. That's absolutely (laughs) right. right. That's absolutely right. So, you know, we're seeing how as a network this... uh, scenario is unfolding for them and they're going to have to take a deep look at how they've been handling it and how they're going to handle it moving forward. I will say I did think the swift firing of Lauer and then uh, Savannah Guthrie sort of coming out and you know really given giving a heartfelt uh, address of it was a very good thing on their end. If they had acted any slower I think it would have you know question called into question whether or not the network was taking it seriously. So I'm happy to see that there was a very prompt uh, response to these accusations. Um, in other media news, ESPN. ESPN. 150 people at one time and you know losing it's, their job. Did they just go through a whole big layoff? That's thing? right. Yeah, this is right. the third round this year. So at first Ooh. we had 300 people let go. Then we had 100 uh, people let go earlier this year. And a part of that were on-air talent, yeah. were people yeah. we knew. Mm-hmm. You, in fact, saw tons of sports blogs detailing in the weeks following exactly who of our favorite personalities were let go. We've been covering at Axios sort of the cable news crisis. What's happening with networks? And essentially what you're seeing is that there's a huge decline in subscribers. To make up for that, the networks are charging more for ad revenue. But even still, amid all of that, it's not going to be enough to let them give strategic investments in digital to migrate their viewers over to streaming. So what we're finding with ESPN is they're trying to really move around resources and departments to create new digital opportunities. And with that, of course, comes layoffs. Hmm. Right. Uh, Are they losing revenue? So it depends. Quarter by quarter, and some of this really depends on sports scheduling, actually, uh, most cable networks are seeing just about stagnant, but not not net loss revenue. And that's because Mm -hmm. they're hiking the rates up so much. Um, Mm -hmm. The bigger problem is that when they lose these cable subscribers, they're going to have to migrate them to streaming. ESPN announced uh, the uh, major stake in BAM Tech, which is the technology that powers the biggest sports apps, MLB, WWE, etc. This is supposed to be a game changer. Bob Iger is more excited about BAM Tech than anything. They're expecting to roll it out starting uh, next year in a subscription service. The key, though, is are people going to be willing to pay for it? People right now pay for their cable subscriptions, but do they necessarily watch ESPN? We'll see when we find out how these subscriptions work out. And what ESPN is hoping is that some strategic investments in social media, they just launched Sports Center on Snapchat, will help get those people on the right digital footprint. But even there, they're having problems. Snapchat debuted a little segment about the NFL a couple days ago, and mm-hmm. they didn't have rights to any of the footage. Mm-hmm. So the 
Edgar <laughs> on Snapchat used puppets to act out oh, what had God. happened in the game. Oh, God, yeah. So we'll see what happens with ESPN, but it's important to note that it's not an isolated incident. A lot of cable networks are facing this. Even Disney's own entertainment programming is facing this. So it'll be interesting to see how everyone migrates over to streaming. Yeah. Wow. Um, and this is a week that uh, the mighty Time magazine yes. <laughs> was bought by... The Koch brothers? Wait, that was this week? <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's ages ago. Yeah, right? You know, it's been fascinating to watch. There's been a lot of rapid consolidation in the media industry because it's such a volatile climate. Google and Facebook own the majority of ad revenue, which makes it really difficult for anyone to make money digitally. And as we know, print is dying. So for a lot of these print companies, a sale and scale seems the only way that they can compete. It's not surprising to see that Coke is interested in time. It would give them access to a few news magazines, being uh, Time and Fortune. And it would also give them access to one of the most widely circulated entertainment magazines and people. Hmm. They say that there is a passive investment there, that they're not interested in doing any sort of um, political influence with those properties. But uh, myself and our business editor, Dan Primack, did a breakdown of what are the bull and bear uh, opportunities here. And what we found is that financially, this isn't necessarily the best investment for them. If you take a look, no other private equity firms, no other buyers were willing to come in at a bid that high. And at the end of the day, Combined, Time and Meredith are 56% of their revenues print, a dying industry. Hmm. So it really seems to us that this might be a little bit more than a passive investment, though we have no way of knowing. Uh, the other thing, too, we look we look through some of it's their- It's like Murdoch saying he's not really interested in the editorial side exactly of his right. business. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I will say yeah. one thing that's getting lost in this is that the Cokes are actually libertarian. They have- like you know, a, a different a different sort of angle than potentially the Murdochs. It doesn't mean that their you know incentives there would be any different, but it would be a little bit of a different sort of approach than some of the other conservative leaning outlets. Right. Um, you mentioned um, the, this, all these changes in in the media, um, and the other big issue uh, or big I guess happening was the planned merger between AT&T and Time Warner, yeah. which suddenly the Justice Department put the skids on. Yes. Uh, and um, some reporting that maybe Donald Trump's uh, war on CNN yeah. uh, well, is a, plays a factor in that decision. I would say, uh, based off of all the reporting and the sources that we've talked to, it's not really a Trump um, influence that's that's holding back this decision. In 2011... The DOJ's antitrust division let Comcast merge with NBC Universal, and in letting that vertical merger go through, both parties had to agree to some behavioral conditions. And what this DOJ is looking at is how well were those conditions enforced by our regulatory arm, and they found that it's been really hard to enforce some of those behavioral remedies. Uh, basically, saying I'm not going to favor NBC's content on my airwaves. So what the DOJ is looking at right now is. Should they let a merger go through based off of these conditions that they can't enforce? AT&T, Randall Stevenson, their CEO, says, you're disrupting precedent if you don't let this through. What Macon Del Rahim, the head of the DOJ, would say is that we're disrupting precedent that shouldn't have gone through in the first place because we don't have the regulatory arms to make sure this is handled responsibly. This is why we're at an impasse with this. But it's a huge decision because based off of this, we'll see what media consolidation looks like for years to come. If they let this go through, Comcast, Verizon, 
I, other internet service providers that have extended interest in buying 21st Century Fox will have some optimistic and hopeful news. If they don't let this go through, other big mergers that are waiting, Sinclair and Tribune, might face problems oh, down the geez. line. So do you think Trump saying um, they've got to first, they have to sell, sell CNN before this can happen? Uh, I don't know that that's the big <laughs> impact. I think what the DOJ is thinking is, and not to get wonky on you, AT&T owns DirecTV now, which is the largest streaming provider, digital streaming provider of TV. What they're worried is that if they ha- own the biggest entertainment company in Turner and they own the biggest streaming provider, they would provide them um, sort of prioritized access to their viewership. This is why the DOJ said either you divest the streaming entity or you divest Turner, which is the parent company of CNN. Uh, There's been a lot of reporting that Trump feels one way or another. But at the end of the day, the DOJ is an independent agency that should not be taking into consideration what the president thinks. Um, Without reading them all, Donald Trump is tweeting again this morning attacking the New York Times, right? And and it's every other day, if not every day, attacking uh, attacking CNN. What? uh, and, you know, last week suggesting we should have a contest to, to choose the most dishonest cable network. To what to what real impact does his, his anti-media treats have? It's funny. We wrote a piece, Donald Trump hates fake news but loves big media. We just talked yeah. about a bunch of regulatory mm-hmm. things that are going yeah. through that are going to make media even bigger. Think about it. The repeal of net neutrality, if we were to go and let this merger go through – his administration's actually been very good for media in some ways. Sure. But he personally has been attacking the media left and right, and the impact of that is to rally the base. At the end of the day, the media is seen, the mainstream media is seen as part of the establishment. And Donald Trump knows that to retain that 35%, he needs to make sure that he gets them riled up against the establishment. So he's become fixated on using this narrative to rally a base. And what's the impact? I think it's making media stronger. I think it's making us come out and be even more ferocious with the accuracy of our reporting. And so, you know, the the jokes on Donald Trump, if he's trying to discredit the media, we're only breaking more and more stories, not just about what's happening in the world, but within his administration. No, like, like there is no Donald Trump without the media. And that even goes back before he was a politician, right? Like, everybody knows that he just loved the media and... That's what he's really in this for. He's a, I think. He's a creation of the media. Yeah, I mean, and, he, get... and even his presidency, I think, exists totally. because the media treated him so seriously and, and totally. gave him so much time. But like as uh, you as you point out, we're getting to read some of the greatest reporting and writing that we've seen in years. Yep, that's absolutely right. And I think that Donald Trump will continue to have be sort of tortured about it. In yeah. one end, he really wants to take every opportunity he can to jab at the mainstream media. But on the other end, every time he does it, it only reinforces our role to be fair and accurate and to expose anything we need to do. All right. So the biggest question of all for the media this week, of course, uh, and it all takes place tomorrow, uh, is um, were you invited to the White House Christmas party? (laughs) And if invited, would you go? Well, I must tell you, as a White House reporter with my hard pass, I was not invited April Ryan was not invited. Chris Johnson for The Blade was not invited. This is, and as you know, there were not two parties this year. There's only one. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not in the evening where the alcohol and the punch flows and the food is great. No, this is a two o'clock Friday afternoon. Uh, and they deliberately did not invite a lot of people who are there every day. 
It's such a shame because if you look back at previous administrations, including previous conservative administrations, they were welcoming to both sides of the press. This is unprecedented that a president would alienate only the press that he thinks is favorable to him. Though we will say it's interesting that you've had some networks come out, CNN, and boycott the White House Christmas Party, taking a stand for their fellow journalists and say it's unacceptable that you're going to A, have this tirade against the press, and B, choose to discriminate against certain press when at a time we really should all be coming together. Uh, I have not been invited. I'm not a White House reporter, and we're a pretty small startup. But I do think that uh, if I was invited, this is something I have to really think about. A lot of my friends cover the White House for different sides and different you know, organizations. And I don't know that if intending you'd be endorsing the fact that you're letting other people out. Do you know whether the leadership of Axios is going to the party? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they... Um, I mean, yeah. they're constantly on the roads. For the record, I, I, by I, the way, I, we mentioned this yesterday. If if you didn't get invited, the recipe for the White House eggnog yes, is online. That's yeah. important. Yeah. And that's the you one, just make it at home. That is the one reason for going. Yeah, that's you just true. make it at home. That's true. Right. Uh, the other question is whether or not Donald Trump and Melania, the first lady, are going to stand there for two or three hours and have their photo taken with every journalist uh, who, who attend. I doubt it. I doubt. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. In I, previous I, administrations, they always give that time. No, no, they yeah. always did. But I just don't see Donald Trump having With his attention span, no way. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No, uh, no I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think so either. So um, you, we've talked about the mainstream media. You particularly cover the digital media, the Internet. These are rocky days for the uh, Internet, aren't they? I mean, every time you turn around. It's been right. a year of reckoning. I mean, we wrote yeah. about that this morning. I think one of the biggest things that... You call it the dark side of the... The dark interview. side, it is. I mean, we had almost half of Americans were affected by the Equifax breach. 41 million Americans had their ID stolen last year, which is a record high. That combined with some of the other crazy things happening on the Internet. I mean, nearly a third of Americans were exposed to Russian propaganda online. We're seeing bigots and white nationalists find homes online. In fact, it wasn't until Charlottesville where we realized that these communities have been building up for a long time. They've just been building up in chat rooms where we Mm -hmm. couldn't see them. Then we found out this week that YouTube has to revisit some of its policies for children and YouTube kids because inappropriate videos were surfacing online that were they were being seen by small children. All of these things happening this year are really clouding our very rosy view of the internet. For so long, we saw it as this democratizing oh, yeah. force. Oh, yeah. But now we're starting to realize that there's a dark side. And what's the solution? Are they are they aware of this, and are they doing anything? Uh, or is it up to Congress to step in? Or well, We've never had a regulatory body over the internet. We have yeah. the S- FCC, which manages spectrum, so radio, television, and to an extent print. We have the FTC, which manages false commercialization, so like advertising and clickbait. And we have the DOJ, which manages antitrust. But there's no one that's responsible for you know managing the internet, and we've let it grow to a point of complete chaos. Lawmakers are starting to realize this. You've noticed that they've taken up more hearings and more meetings around internet chaos than ever before. And we list out in our piece on Axios.com just like what a few lawmakers are saying that they're really worried about things that have happened. The problem is if they are to create new internet laws, who enforces them? We don't really have a regulatory body that's set to do it. And by the way, it's not just an America problem. The EU is looking at the same sort of issue. Other countries are trying to figure out what do we do now that the internet has grown to take over our lives. And, and it has. It has taken over our lives. It has. No. The internet economy touches everything, from grocery deliveries to 
quite frankly, crowdsourcing and you know fundraising, everything we do touches the internet. Hey, look, we have a national holiday now. It's called Cyber Monday. That's right. Yeah. Which, by the way, brought in a ton a more revenue than just Black yeah. Friday. I mean, we are watching the country is at a tipping point where we're becoming more reliant on the internet than ever before. And how has that impacted um, the news business? How people get their news? Dramatically. You know, 66% of Americans are on at least one social media site. The majority of those say they get their news from those social media sites, primarily Facebook. It's been difficult because the mainstream media has had to now rely on some of these social media sites for distribution, which puts a really big economic strain on them. You're just noticing so much consolidation. That's happening for a reason. Cumulus Redia, I'm not sure if you read about that this morning, is filing for debt. This has been really challenging for anyone who's had a legacy media business to stay economically afloat. And so what our goal is, is to find new economic revenue streams so that we can continue to provide great journalism. But I got to tell you, it's not been easy for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Uh, You'll find great journalism at Axios. Uh, Many friends there and uh, kind of a a relatively new startup, but uh, already having a great impact and doing some great reporting. Uh, including Sarah Fisher. Thank you so much for coming in Thank today. Thank you for having me. Good work me. you're doing. It is Axios.com. Ben Schreckinger from GQ joins us this at the top of the next is hour. The Bill Stay Press with us. Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, woe to wo- Lake Wobegon this morning. Yes, Garrison Keeler, the latest one to fall. Ladies and gentlemen, it is The Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome. Great to see you today. And thank you so much for joining us. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. Uh, we'll bring you the news. You tell us what you think about it on Twitter, at BP Show, um, with uh, taking a look at, uh, yes, uh, Matt Lauer, who is out with an apology, uh, fired yesterday, uh, silent for the last 24 hours, uh, an apology this morning. Garrison Keeler, the latest media star to fall. Uh, Donald Trump of the White House acknowledging that, yes, indeed, he did retweet some fake videos, but they say that doesn't matter whether they're fake or not because uh, the message uh, is still good, uh, an anti-Muslim message, which has been Donald Trump's message for a long time. And uh, unless you think that Robert Mueller has taken uh, some time off, no, revealed this morning that he's still at it and the latest to come in for a serious questioning about possible collusion with Russians during the Trump campaign is none other than son-in-law Jared Kushner. Man, so much to talk about. We need some help. We've got it with Ben Schreckinger, correspondent now at GQ Magazine, formerly with Politico. Ben, good to see you. Great to be here. It's been a while. Yeah. 
and uh, we, we remember remember you from the days when Donald Trump threw you out of his campaign rallies. Who could forget? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great to see you. We'll jump right into it. Remember, we want to hear from you, your, your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Peter, Full Court away. Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. We just mentioned how many people are using the Internet to buy their uh, Christmas gifts this year. Amazon yesterday announced that it was the biggest sales day in the company's history on Cyber Monday. They said earlier this year they had the biggest sales day in their history when they had Prime Day. But Cyber Monday topped it. By a lot. They didn't give specific numbers, but they did put out numbers uh, on how much money people spent overall online on Cyber Monday. $6.59 billion was spent online overall by the end of Cyber Monday. Not bad. That's incredible. Isn't that crazy? I saw some video of an Amazon distribution center with these packages just flying down this conveyor belt, the fastest conveyor belt. I bought a lot of stuff on Cyber Monday. They just showed up at my house yesterday. I've got (laughs) just big giant boxes that showed up. I did the no rush shipping. I got that uh, $10 Amazon restaurant credit. Oh, I got that Amazon Prime. So what you do? Well, I know I have Prime too, but if you choose no rush, you get a credit. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see that. How about you, Ben? Were you yeah, out there shopping? Really? No, I missed the whole boat on this thing. Hey, come on, man. Happening. Well, Cyber Monday will roll around again next year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, there's always ready. next year. <laughs> Speaking of the holidays, if you're going anywhere over the holidays and you're flying American Airlines, be whoa, careful. Whoa, there yeah. was a glitch in the company's flight scheduling system that allowed, <laughs> that allowed a, too many pilots to... Take off time yeah, between yeah. the 17th and the 31st of December. Right. So they're saying that an estimated 15,000 of the company's flights are scheduled to not have pilots over the Christmas holiday. Right. So right. now they're saying. Meaning they will not fly. They will not fly. <laughs> they will not fly. So they've given too many pilots time yeah. off. They're saying that some of the pilots are now being offered more money to cancel their holiday plans and work the shifts. One. Uh, union uh, aviation union called the incident a full blown crisis. Fun Air- fact: Go ahead. I am flying American Airlines on December twenty fourth. You thought so? You think yeah. you're flying American and Airlines? December thirty first. <laughs> Lots of luck. <laughs> Pray listen, for me. Listen, no excuse if they don't have any problems. You still got to be back here, baby. I'll, I'll fly the plane. <laughs> I'll fly the plane. <laughs> Let's screw up. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, the New York Daily News out with an editorial this morning that says Donald Trump is a madman. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, hello, everybody. What do you say? On this Thursday, November 30, it is the Bill Press Show, and it's good to have you with us. We're joining you on YouTube, of course, and uh, we're together on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Don't forget, subscribe when you go to to YouTube. Uh, Don't just watch it. I mean, we prefer, we, we love the fact that you're there with us on YouTube, but I encourage you to make the most of it by subscribing, and then you will hear from us and all the updated videos we send you throughout the day. 
We're joining you also on Free Speech TV. Great to see you there on Free Speech and out in the greater Chicago area, your progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT, joining you there. We're in Washington, D.C. That's where we start out on our studio on Capitol Hill with the help this morning of Ben Schreckinger, a good friend uh, from GQ Magazine. Hello, hello, Ben. Hey, great to be here. Great. Good to have you back. Uh, and uh, the um, just, just to keep up with the breaking news of the day, yesterday at this time, it was Matt Lauer getting fired. Uh, this morning, it is Matt Lauer out with an apology. Uh, again, Peter, just the highlights of his... Uh, yeah, from his apology he put out this morning, quote, there are no words to express my sorrow and regret for the pain I have caused others by words and actions to people I have hurt. I am truly sorry. He goes on to say that, quote, some of what is being said about me is untrue or mischaracterized, but there is enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and ashamed. I regret that my shame is now shared by the people I cherish dearly. Repairing the damage will take a lot of time and soul searching, and I'm committed to beginning that effort. It is now my full-time job. There it is. This not is not the only bit of breaking news. This oh. is oh. a Bill Press Uh-oh. Show breaking news update. CNN reporting just minutes ago, an Army veteran says Senator Al Franken groped her in December 2003, telling CNN that while she was deployed in Kuwait, the Minnesota Democrat cupped her breast during a photo op. So oh. another allegation against Senator Al Franken. Oh boy. And an echo of the first one yeah. from Leanne yes. Tweeden. Yeah. Right. Um, and this was the same USO tour? I believe it was a different year. It, this was in 2003. I'm not sure yeah. when the Leanne Tweeden stuff happened, but, yeah. man. Um, that may be the end of Al Franken. I mean, if, if the more of these come out, the more unlikely it is that he'd be able to. Well, in almost every story that we've talked stay. about, if there's one allegation, there are three, four, five, six, dozens more that follow. So... With Matt Lauer yesterday morning, it was yeah. one, and today they're already right. There are more that have come forward. What's the Leanne Tweeden incident was in 2006. This woman oh. who is accusing uh, Al Franken of mm-hmm. sexual misconduct in 2003 actually spoke with Leanne Tweeden just two days after Tweeden went public. Now has officially gone forward with MJ Lee of CNN. Oh man! So Ben, I mean, they're falling right and left, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's almost inevitable that there will be more congressmen, more senators. I'm sort of wondering uh, if and when this is going to make it to to Wall Street uh, and the billionaire class, uh, people that that uh, in some ways are even more powerful than than the people who are sitting in Congress. But uh, it, it looks like this is going to be going on, at, you know, at least all winter. We're going to be finding out more and more things about. Uh, you don't mean men. to suggest that in the financial giants of Wall Street there would be any sexual harassment taking place, right? Um, well, <laughs> for, from what I understand, it's no exception to these industries that we're hearing about it in. Uh, and I'm a little surprised that uh, we haven't been hearing about it more on Wall Street. And uh, you got you to gotta guess that part of it is that they, uh, in some ways, just have more money to, to keep these things from going public. You bet. You bet. And you know there's a cone of silence in those big in those big banks on many issues, and this, I'm sure, is one of them. Uh, it'll break there. In fact, uh, there's your job, right? Now that... Yeah, that would, be a, that would be a very good investigative project to spend a few months on, absolutely. Right. You've, you've uh, just getting away from this for a little bit, um, 
uh, well, kind of. There's a link here, too, because with all the sexual harassment charges against uh, Donald Trump, which, of course, were not enough to prevent his being elected president of the United States, there are also a lot of financial charges against Donald Trump that Eric Schneiderman, the uh, attorney general of New York, uh, had been investigating. You just recently interviewed him. Did you talk to him about Donald Trump? What's the status of those? Uh, we Charge. did. We talked to him about Donald Trump and, and uh, a few other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he continues, uh, as, as far as the latest update, to be investigating Trump's personal foundation, which is in the process of shutting down, uh, Eric Trump's foundation. Uh, he's investigating uh, Paul Manafort for, uh, we think, money laundering, similar similar uh, ch- charges or, or potential charges to what uh, Robert Mueller is looking at. Um and of course, he has this history with Trump, where he uh, investigated Trump University for fraud. Uh, Trump ordered up a hit piece in Jared Kushner's Observer on Schneiderman that was somewhat notorious and somewhat of a botched hit piece that that was widely mocked. Uh, and Schneiderman uh, has had some successes with Trump. He he got a twenty-five million dollars settlement on that uh, Trump University fraud suit. Uh, and are there open still open investigations? But you, you mentioned the foundations, I guess, right? Are still ongoing, right? The, that's right. So, so, does, what about this theory that Trump is putting out, at, at least in return, in relation to the sexual harassment lawsuit, one of them, which is in the New York Supreme Court? He puts out the theory that he's president of the United States now, so you can't investigate him or you can't sue him. He's sort of above the law. I think you'll find legal scholars who will be sympathetic to, to both sides of that argument. Uh, in general, I understand that the the more grave the charge, uh, the less a president is able to say that I you know I can't be investigated for this in office. Uh, and certainly, uh, some of the allegations of, of sexual misconduct against Trump uh, rise to the level where that argument is probably not going to cut it. Right. So Schneiderman is not uh, is certainly not afraid of Trump. Not afraid to go after him and. Th- that seems to to be the case. Uh, he's gone after him once to, with success and, and does not seem to be backing off. Uh, and then you have the legal battles with the administration, the policy battles. Uh, just last week, Schneiderman picked a fight with uh, Trump's uh, appointee to chair the FCC. Uh, basically, Schneiderman, his office has uncovered uh, what appears to be a scheme uh, to flood the FCC with a bunch of phony comments uh, supporting the repeal of net neutrality. Uh, he reached out to the FCC, said, hey, we have this scam going. Clearly, uh, someone who wants net neutrality repealed is, is uh, coming up with these fake comments. Uh, and the FCC declined to cooperate with Schneiderman. Uh, so Schneiderman went public, wrote them uh, an open letter, ripping them for that. Uh, and then there are public battles, uh, legal battles, uh, about the attempt to repeal DACA. Uh, he's threatening legal challenges if they repeal Obamacare. Uh, so there is sort of an all hands, uh, all hands effort to push back on some of these uh, Trump initiatives. You know, it's interesting. This position of New York Attorney General has always been a really powerful position, yeah. uh, and and some people have made, I mean, uh, pretty good taken advantage of that. Uh, the former uh, governor, client number nine. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Elliot Spitzer. Uh, Elliot Spitzer, right. Uh, what is Schneiderman like? Where, what's his background and, and where is he heading? Is he politically ambitious? He uh, served in the state senate in New York. 
people were sort of surprised when he stepped up to run for AG in Albany um, because he he didn't come across as ambitious. He came across as someone who was uh, enjoying his life uh, as a state senator. Um, he ended up winning. He won re-election. Uh, and right now, I think anyone who sits in that state AG's office is going toe-to-toe with the administration, has the spotlight. Um, you got to assume that they have ambitions. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not saying there's anything beyond. wrong with that, but he, it's, 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 it's proved to, proven to be a springboard. But it's always been a very, very aggressive consumer watchdog kind of office, more than any other AG in the country. Yeah, yeah, I think California would be the other, mm-hmm. the other one that's uh, that. Of course, Jerry Brown there served there and now governor again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kamala Harris it was Spring Kamala Harris there as well, exactly. Uh, and now uh, Javier Becerra, who uh, uh, certainly has statewide ambitions as well, right? And should. He's a good man. Um, and and um, um, the, the 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 how does how does Schneiderman? And what what's the politics between Schneiderman and Cuomo, or De Blasio? That's a good question. I uh, I would have to defer to other colleagues up in New York on that. Obviously, Cuomo and De Blasio have their beef. Yeah, um, right. That's why I was wondering where he fits in on that. I don't know of Schneiderman having any uh, ongoing feuds with with either of those men, but it's it's New York, so it's possible. Yeah, that, right, that right, right, right. <laughs> I've just missed it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so are you based in New York or here now? No, I'm still in D.C. Still in D.C. Doing right. politics, doing okay. Trump administration. Um, we were intrigued by your story on the inside of the uh, Rand Paul scuffle. Okay, so we know, what was it, a couple weeks ago now, Rand Paul's out mowing his lawn. His neighbor, who's another doctor, comes over and tackles him. I and mean, Rand Paul ends up with six broken ribs. And at first everybody thought this was about politics, right? You had a lefty going after a conservative. Was it about politics? As best as I can tell, and what the people in Bowling Green say is that they don't think this has anything to do with politics. They think it has everything to do with yard care. Uh, these are two guys who uh, live next door to each other. Uh, Rene Boucher, the man who, who tackled mm-hmm. Rand, Senator Paul, uh, mm-hmm. is described by people who know him as being meticulous. Uh, one woman said he had, quote, OCD issues. I don't think that was a, a diagnosis. Uh, a medical diagnosis, but someone who uh, is very meticulous about his his lawn. About right. yeah, about about many things, including his lawn. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Rand Paul apparently uh, one of the few people in the neighborhood who took care of his own law, lawn rather than getting professional lawn care. Uh, he'd mow his lawn uh, much shorter than Boucher, and this <laughs> apparently differential in grass length really irked Boucher. Boy, that would piss me off. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there was talk of uh, grass clippings when Rand was mowing his lawn, getting getting thrown into Boucher's yard. Uh, so there are a number, a number of sort of little things like that that apparently over the years, uh, as best as we can tell, uh, really built up and built up. And he, he apparently hadn't spoken to Rand Paul for years and years uh, when this incident happened. Uh <laughs> You know, <laughs> to be, I mean, of all the things to worry about, right? Uh, you never know. Um, so we heard a rumor that um, dog poop was also involved. Really? Yes. Really? I had not heard anything about dog poop. Where is this coming from? 
A good source. A good source. Okay. I, you, know, you know, we reporters don't reveal our sources. <laughs> okay. I dog poop I hadn't heard, uh, but everyone in that neighborhood, I walked around that gated community, you everyone did. has you a dog. You down there and- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, very, very nice. Um, the Both of but, their properties back onto a man-made lake where people can go swimming. One of their neighbors has a private tennis court, a lot of swimming pools. Uh, it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah. People should be happy there. Right. And- <laughs> Um, but I, I saw an aerial shot of that neighborhood. They have big lawns, too, right? Yeah. I mean, these houses are not like here on Capitol Hill, right, right. N- right next door to each other. I mean, right? right. There's yeah, a lot of a properties. So. sprawling, gated community. Uh, and that's probably why most of the most of the people in it uh, have landscapers. And, and Rand Paul, he's an individualist. He likes to do things for himself. Uh, he didn't have a landscaper. He was doing things yeah. uh, his own way in that. Uh, apparently irked Rene Boucher. Jesus, man. There are other important issues, it seems to me, to worry about. I than, would think so. Than yeah. long clippings. But, so um, you, you cover the Trump administration. As a one who covered the Trump campaign, uh, and now you see Donald Trump in the White House, it's been almost, well, it's been a, ye- a year since he was elected, almost a year in the White House. What differences do you see between Trump the candidate and Trump the president? Whew, that is a good question. He seemed happier on the campaign trail. Uh, he he lived for those rallies. He absolutely loved them. Uh, he felt the adulation of the crowd. Uh, he can only do those from time to time now that he's at the White House. Uh, he still loves doing them. He Yes, yes, he does. I imagine he, he appreciates them even more now that he only gets to do them mm-hmm. once in a while. Um, he's much more controlled now, right? This is somebody who likes to do things his own way. His first campaign manager, his his mantra, Corey Lewandowski's mantra was let Trump be Trump. Um, there are now more people around who are less inclined to let Trump be Trump. Uh, you know, he has uh, something of a disciplinarian and his chief of staff, John Kelly. Um, and, and his life is just even more being lived in a fishbowl. Mm. Um, so the, the main thing I, I see is, is someone who seems to be uh, less happy, enjoying themselves less. Um, and, and less suited to the environment that they're in. So uh, he was, in effect, uh, had a campaign rally yesterday. He was out um, speaking about the tax, tax cut bill. Um, and um, he, he, again, when he's up there, right, you, you can't control him, right? Even if he has a teleprompter, he can go off the script on the teleprompter. So only Donald Trump could take the tax cut bill and use it as an excuse to talk about Kim Jong-un of North Korea. These Here massive is. tax cuts will be rocket fuel. <laughs> Little rocket, man. Rocket fuel for the American economy. Yeah. What is happening? He is a sick puppy. <laughs> His brain don't work too good. No, I don't think so. <laughs> he goes from rocket tax cuts, rocket fuel, rocket man, rocket sick man. puppy. Yeah, He's always had that sort of free association style, or at least on the campaign trail, he always had something of a free association style. But that is sort of a, a new height in some ways for jumbled. It reminds me of... Uh, Stat, the Boston Globe's life sciences publication, analyzed 30 years of his public statements and found that the complexity of them has declined, that basically they show signs of cognitive decline. Um, And when I hear that, that's what I'm reminded of. Whoa, that's pretty scary. 
Yeah, yeah in some ways it is a little bit scary. Right. Uh, he also told this crowd yesterday that one of the great things about his administration is uh, that um, I didn't really miss this, but because it's back according to Donald Trump, is Merry Christmas. We can now say it again. Yeah. Yeah. With God. Trump as your president, we are going to be celebrating Merry Christmas again, and it's going to be done with a big, beautiful tax cut. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you. Forget Christmas itself. We're now going to be celebrating Merry Christmas. We're going to be celebrating the fact that we can say Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right. Trump. With with Trump as your president. Yeah. He does know what lines please his base. So, you know, you have to give him that. That, uh, you know, based in reality or not, that's, that uh, is something that is going to rile up the people who like Donald Trump the most. So, that all the time, Okay. Um, I'm not being critical of you, but everybody says it. So he does the Pocahontas thing, which is disgusting, outrageous, racial slur. But everybody says, oh, yeah, but his base really loves it. Okay. He puts out these fake, yesterday, retweets these fake Muslim videos, which the White House admits are fake, but they say he's still putting his message out, which is anti-Muslim message. Oh, yeah, but his base is really going to love that, right? He endorses a pedophile predator, sexual predator, child molester in Alabama for the U.S. Senate when no other Republican in Washington will do so. And Steve Bannon said, this is great because this is going to please your base. Yeah. I mean, what is it? <laughs> What's going I mean, don't you think it's important to reach out to a little bit more than your base? Well, I think if your goal were to create a, you know, a broad governing consensus uh, get a lot of legislation passed, uh, you know, th- think ahead to be in a good place for re-election. Um, yeah, you, you would want to reach out to more people. You would want to be much less divisive. Um, if you are worried that the walls are closing in on you legally, politically, uh, that you're going to need uh, some someone to support you strongly, to give you leverage to extract yourself from a sticky situation... Uh, in that case, maybe you're more inclined uh, to just rile up your base at all costs uh, and make sure that there's a, a portion of the country that is fanatically devoted to you. Uh, no, I'm that, tempted I, to say that, that that may be a decision he's made. I think that, no, I think that's, that's a good way to sum it up. But his base, in effect, it seems to me, is, uh, first of all, it's not growing. If anything, it's shrinking. And even if it's 35%, you know, that's only 35%. That's really not enough to get anything done. Yeah, not enough to to accomplish anything. Uh, maybe enough to uh, say, hey, uh, you know, you want to indict me? Well, you know, what if I rile up a third of this country in a really dangerous way? Maybe we'll have to make a deal where I go quietly. This is purely conjectural, mm-hmm. purely hypothetical. Um, but in some ways, it is hard to understand what he's doing without some some scenario like that in mind. If he does feel that he's uh, like maybe getting compromised or walled in, as you put it, I think, um, that would reflect he must think that the Mueller investigation is pretty serious. And does the fact that Robert Mueller uh, has called Jared Kushner in for uh, questioning indicate that uh, that that there's some real danger there for Donald Trump? 
I think, yeah, I think that anytime the son-in-law is uh, going to speak to the special prosecutor, there, there's risks there. Uh, my understanding and my read on that Kushner interview, at least the way CNN reported it, is that it was mostly about Flynn. Um, and he has plenty to fear from Flynn and Even Flynn flipping. Yeah, right. Uh, and and the, what was odd about that CNN report yesterday about Jared Kushner goes in to talk mostly about Flynn was... Well, what about all of the things uh, pertaining to Jared Kushner that have nothing to do with Flynn? Um, so either, uh, you know, that was the spin that CNN got, that it was mostly about Flynn when really Mueller was also interested in uh, potential wrongdoing by Kushner and, and others. Uh, or uh, they're bringing in Kushner now, wants to talk about Flynn, and they're going to bring him in again later and say, and what about this with social media? What about this? Uh, with mm-hmm. these, uh, you know, financial dealings that you have that you left off of your disclosures, um, but either way, uh, there is a, a steady drumbeat of news that make it look like the walls are closing in on Donald Trump and his, and his inner circle. And and yeah, I think the Kushner interview is part of that. And you think the Mueller investigation? Um, you know, the White House says their official line is. Uh, John Kelly even said this. They they every reason to believe that it's winding down. It'll be over by the end of the year. That is not uh, congruent with what I'm hearing out in the world. Uh, it does seem to be what Ty Cobb, one of the president's lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, believes that uh, this thing is going to wind down. We're going to be forthright because we have nothing to hide. Um, but I, I don't think that, that most other people that are close to this probe uh, think that that's realistic. Uh, and so it's possible the White House believes it, but I think that if they do, they're probably wrong. Yeah, I think that's wishful thinking on their part. I mean, every sign, every other sign is that the Mueller thing is it, it's not winding down. It's kind of picking up steam and and getting closer and closer to the Oval Office. And as you're talking, if they're talking, and they talk to Flynn, for sure, if they're talking to Michael Flynn, they're talking Jared Kushner. Yeah. Um how many more steps do you need before you're talking to Trump? I mean, Donald Jr. maybe, then Ivanka, and right up the food chain. That's right. And there's there's the short term, what appears to be, you know, one of the things they're going for in the short term is obstruction of justice. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. Uh, that seems to be the easy one to get. Uh, but there's a, a, a lot of buzz, a lot of speculation uh, that there's also a, a longer-term play here for Mueller, um, which is investigating Trump's financial dealings, which... Uh, I think that if you start looking at what was going on during the election, inevitably you end up at uh, Trump's dealings over the years, um, sources of Russian money, uh, developments overseas, and, and what they were really being used for. That's something that may take years and years, uh, but it's possible that you know there's this is round one uh, of the Mueller investigation, uh, and you see a lot of head, a lot of heads roll, uh, and then you see the thing stay open for years and years and unwind more uh, complex. Uh, financial crimes. So in terms of, as again, one who covered him during the campaign, now you see him uh, with the job uh, in almost a year. How, how would you assess, just in terms of getting things done, hit the Trump presidency so far? Well, not much has gotten done in Congress, uh, as we know. Uh, it, it'll be you know huge for the, the history of his presidency, whether or not he gets his tax reform bill through. Um, tax cut bill. Tax cut bill, sure. He even says that. Don't call it tax reform, call it tax cut. So He, uh, he, he acknowledges it's not tax reform. Cut, and it's cut, not. cut. <laughs> there he is. Uh, 
But you know, I think that uh, there is a, a something that's that gets paid less attention to that's going on in the federal bureaucracy that's going on at these agencies, um, which has to do with the roll rollback of rules and regulations, things that you um, can either get done without Congress or arguably, if no one's looking, can can get done without Congress. Uh, and I think that there's a real legacy uh, that, you know, we've seen reporting on it. The New York mm-hmm. Times, especially, I think it has, has been on the trail of a lot of what's going on at places like the EPA. Um, but the, the, the rollback of the EPA, the hollowing out of the State Department, uh, there is a legacy there. And for people who really want to, uh, you know, wind down the federal government, uh, there seems to be significant progress that is being made there. Yeah. And now you can add the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau to that list, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, abs- no I think I think you're right, and it's going to take decades to recover from that. Ben Streckinger, good to have you back. Thank you so much for coming in today at GQ, GQ.com. Great to be here. Thanks for All having right. me. Good to see you. When we come back, Alan Pike joins us from Think Progress. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Press Show coming up. With Trump as your president, we are going to be celebrating Merry Christmas again. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video. Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, on the Thursday, November 30, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, joining you all across this great land of ours. Great to have you with us today. Uh, And always look forward to hearing from you on Twitter at The BP Show. Time to, uh, everybody's looking for the uh, great bargains, the great gifts for this holiday season. I am wearing one right now. Those of you watching on TV can appreciate it. Those of you on on the radio, uh, just check out uh, our website, BillPressShow.com, and click on Carol Press Scarves, a hand-woven scarf, nothing like it for the holidays, for yourself or someone that you love. Um, This red and black check is the one that Carol sells the most of, the most popular uh, it's very festive. Color. Yeah, it is very yeah. festive, and you know, you need something to the dark overcoat. You need something to brighten it up. I right? get that. Yeah. Scarf like this, either rayon chenille or bamboo, both available. Lots of different colors and patterns to choose from at BillPressShow.com. Follow the link to the Carol Press scarves. She's been selling a lot of these lately, running to the post office all the time with uh, scarf orders. So uh, get yours today, uh, and with the. Um, Latest breaking news, it was during our show yesterday, we got the word that uh, Matt Lauer had been fired by NBC on the spot. One woman coming forward. Since then, there have been uh, several more who have come forward. Uh, The uh, stories and the allegations we're hearing about him, despicable uh, behavior uh, that went on for years and years at NBC. Uh, And this morning, he has broken his silence and is out with... um, what passes for an apology, I guess, Peter? Yeah, he uh, he put on an apology where he says that uh, he's embarrassed, he's ashamed, and he goes on to say that some of the women and some of the stories that have come out are not true, but he does say they are true enough to where 
uh, he has to step aside and really take a look at what exactly he did wrong. He said he's going to fix himself. He's going to take some time off to do that, and that will become his, quote, full-time job. I think it will be the only full-time job that, only he will, that he will have for the rest of his life. Yeah, probably. Really? Probably. Where do you go from there, yeah. right? He also makes a point to say that early uh, retirement that uh, quote, I regret that my shame is now shared by the people I cherish dearly talking about the fact that today's show had to go on and talk about this story yesterday and today. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, his coworker, also had had to say something about it last night on the Tonight Show. So like everybody that works at NBC is having to come out and say something about it. So. Um, like I mentioned, he said, quote, repairing the damage will take a lot of time and soul searching. I'm committed to beginning that effort. It is now my full-time job. Interesting. That the uh, that the uh, those who are falling have been in the morning slots. Yeah. None of the late nights yet. Not yet. Or none of the TV anchors or the news anchors yet. You got to stay up later for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. <laughs> a whole, right. different, whole different shift of reporters. Well, you probably. know, like, uh, thinking about that, you know, David Letterman – uh, a couple of years ago, got in that in that problem where he was having an affair with a woman that worked on the 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 Late Show when he was there, and he and he survived that. When and didn't he he announced it himself yeah. by going on like using his monologue to yeah. tell everybody? He came out and took because like, hey, I'm not doing any jokes here. It, it was going to try. I, I received and, like, a blackmail letter yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, and he just yeah. talked about it on on air. Then he took a little bit of a leave of okay. absence, but like he came back. Right. Uh, Alan Pike has joined us from Good uh, Morning Think Progress. Hello, yeah. Alan. Good I'm to doing see well. you. How are you? Uh, on the breaking news front, before we uh, get to all the things you've got to talk about, um, Jamie, uh, another uh, word from, from yet another victim of Senator uh, Al Franken. Uh, we thought there were some other shoes to drop in that case as well. You know, tell us about it. Second accuser uh, for Senator Al Franken, uh, a woman uh, uh, alleging that she was groped by the senator back in 2003 on a USO tour, CNN reporting this. She was in the uh, armed services at She the was time, deployed right? yeah. there in Kuwait December 2003, alleging that Al Franken cupped her breast during a photo op. Her name is Stephanie Keplin, 41 years old, of Mainville, Ohio. She's the fifth woman in two weeks to accuse Franken of inappropriate touching and the second person to allege that such behavior took place while Franken was on a USO tour that was read directly from the CNN, CNN article by MJ Lee. Man. No more selfies. Look, Al man. Franken. No more Al Franken in the Senate. Yeah, Amen. look. Uh, yeah, look. I, I don't know what the yeah, tipping point yeah. is with these stories, right? But, like, one woman comes out and says that you did this. That That's enough for me, right? And... Uh, Specifically, that there is photographic evidence of one of these women, the first woman, Leanne Tweeden. Uh, this woman, Stephanie Kemplin, who gave her name and came forward, she supplied a photo of her and Al Franken, and she said it, it doesn't look like he's doing anything wrong in the picture, but she says that moments before that picture was taken yeah. is when he did this. Um, f- five women? Yeah. No. Sorry. I, 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 that's certainly the tipping point uh, if we didn't or hadn't already reached it before. Uh, it, at his news conference Monday, when he came back to the Senate, he was asked whether there were any more, and he said he couldn't say that there weren't. Yeah, because right? yeah. I think he knew there might be some others yeah. coming out. Alyssa, Alyssa Rosenberg did a, a good a good piece on sort of where to find the tipping point in these things for the for the Post uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think when 
there was just the one when it was just Leanne Tweeden so far with Franken. Alyssa wrote a column that was uh, basically like if you're trying to if you're trying to figure out you know where to rank um, men who have uh, committed bodily offenses of some character against women in their pasts uh, against one another look for whether or not there's a pattern because yeah. often there's going to be and, and sure in some cases it'll turn out there was there was one incident one time one bad decision one unconscionable choice to ignore somebody else's right to not be touched the ways they don't want to be touched um but often there will be a pattern and then you know two days later there was a second and now that we're up to five and i, I yeah when you've got a pattern especially one where you've got a consistent uh, mo i not that there's there's not a moral equivalence between what al franken's been accused of doing and what roy moore's been accused of doing i think they're very they're meaningfully different sets of acts but what they have in common is at this point a pattern of you've found you've you've through a period of years in your life while a person in power uh, have found opportunities to isolate women who have less power than you and take advantage of them physically. And, right. and like and, in every single story, just about, I, I can't think of anybody that had, there has been one isolated incident where they lost their job. Right. Right. And like you go all the way back to like, you know, the Tiger Woods stuff when it turned out that he was having sex with numbers of women that weren't his wife, which again is a different story sure. than sexual assault or sexual harassment. But it took one woman to come forward and then everybody comes forward. You look right. at the Kevin Spacey story, multiple men came forward. You look at Harvey Weinstein, multiple women came forward. So it's just it just takes that one. One of the uh, most disgusting um, features that we've heard about Matt Lauer's behavior that he had this uh, <clears throat> button uh, in his desk at uh, on under his desk uh, at NBC, where he could just by pushing this button lock the door to his office, Jesus. so inviting women into his office, and then they hear the which click. means which means you at some point uh, you had a vendor come in to install yeah, 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 a mechanism no, exactly as part of I mean eggs no what kind no, of Bond that's villain movie no, villain no, yeah stuff. yeah no, no, totally no. you had NBC engineers fair, install fair. the mechanism yeah. yes yeah. right okay. Uh, and uh, and on at least one occasion, if not more, you know, the woman walked into his office. He drops his pants and displays his penis. Um, there is uh, just uh, wrapping up this little segment here. There is one solution to this: if you do not like men in power, uh, particularly like politicians, who are going to show off their penis, uh, a candidate Dana Nessel is a candidate for attorney general in Michigan, running right now. And she put out this ad yesterday. We need more women in positions of power, not less. So when you're choosing Michigan's next attorney general, ask yourself this. Who can you trust most not to show you their penis in a professional setting? <laughs> Jesus. Is it the candidate who doesn't have a penis? <laughs> I'd say so. Brave. I love that. Brave advertising. I love I that. <laughs> I don't know Michigan politics well enough, but God, I hope that plays in Michigan. Yeah. That's really good. No, I do too. That's it's really good. such a good ad. It's so funny. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny, and it's a great distillation of an actual thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. We've, had, we've had a couple millennia here as, <laughs> as the predominant gender in positions of power. We haven't done great, I would say. Uh, in many cases, we've done pretty foul stuff. So, man, maybe, maybe, just, maybe just toggle that switch the other direction for a yeah. while. <laughs> I love that. Uh, right, right. Uh, <laughs> Alan, good to see you. You too. Uh, did you have a big Black Friday? I didn't. No, I I sat around in my home 
Mm. Um, I made some eggs and bacon. There you go. And I tried not to look at the internet. And then I had a couple of beers with some friends. Well, that was a very quiet Black Friday. Black Friday. And Cyber Monday? Uh, well, I was in court all day uh, covering uh, a trial. Not, the, the I was not, I was not accused Friday. of a crime. No, I right. how yeah. that goes. Yeah, I got <laughs> real there. rowdy over the weekend. <laughs> Uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm a bad, I'm a bad uh, economic patriot, Bill. I didn't do any shopping, really. <laughs> oh, whoa! I, but, well, I bought, but, I bought eggs. Bought eggs. <laughs> but you did point out that a lot of people took advantage of Black Friday. Yeah, yeah. To buy in a very specific purchase. way. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, so there are no statistics on gun purchases. There are no like you know cash register. We we know this many people bought a gun on this day but uh, using the the background checks pings of the FBI background check oh, database as right. a proxy 203,000 people uh, at a minimum tried to purchase a gun on Black Friday which is the highest uh, single day in the gun industry's history again using this metric that isn't exactly sales but this tops uh, the 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 day in December 20 12 after the Sandy Hook shooting um, a couple couple days or a week after the Sandy Hook shooting which had been a high water mark for a while it's more than double uh, the the Black Friday number from 2008 so like the sort of gun panic about oh, gonna, oh no Barack Obama is going to come yeah, take my shotgun yeah. for some reason um, only stimulated about half as much Black Friday sales uh, and yeah this was a this was a some some clever uh, Bloomberg I think reporters went and figured this out uh, that Places like Cabela's and uh, other outdoor stores had, as part of their doorbusters, you know, the stuff they put on the front of the the, the circular um, oh, to lure yeah. people to come camp out overnight after they've eaten too much turkey. Uh, in some of the doorbusters at some of these stores included, you know, three hundred dollars off a shotgun or a free uh, reflex sight for your handgun or whatever. Yeah, uh, what I'm, ama- I'm, I'm amazed just... that like all these stories, right? We've had every year we have the most. Uh, fatal mass shooting in America, right? Sure. And like we we feel like we've come to this point as a country where we're just like, yeah, guns, guns are pretty bad. Oh yeah, unregulated and, guns and are pretty bad. Think, and then like we still just our appetite for guns is just insatiable. Do you think about Black Friday? I mean, you think about I mean, I don't know, Walmart or Macy's or Nordstrom. I mean, sure, the, right. The change, right. you know, Best yeah, Best Buy, all of them putting out these bargains for people uh, buying. Check, that check did clear. <laughs> there you go. Yesterday, <laughs> I'm very happy. Uh, buying Christmas presents sure. and shopping for their kids, Toys R Us when they used to exist, all that kind of stuff. You don't think about gun stores, right? Right, right. But, yeah, but and they're and, they're taking advantage of it too. Obviously. Well, and, and the and the other part More of the backstory here, if you, if you go back to like where the term Black Friday, the nickname Black Friday comes from, it's it was an old an old retail term for the day in the calendar when finally, after being in the red all year year as a store, mm. um, you do enough numbers on this Friday after Thanksgiving, this big shopping day, that you're in the black for the year. Um, that's where the, the name comes from, uh, creepy as it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so apply that then to the gun industry, which has been, as we've been talking about here, a robust oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sales, sales sector for a long time because of America's appetite for firearms. The, the idea that they needed this kind of huge day this year is really interesting. It, it suggests that um, because we haven't we haven't seen spikes in sales after the Las Vegas shooting or after uh, the Sutherland Springs uh, massacre uh, or any of the other high profile domestic uh, assaults and and mass death gun incidents this year in the way that traditionally you do. Right. 
suggest that on some level people aren't worried with the Republican Congress and Donald Trump and the White House aren't worried about new gun control. The one thing that did have a huge rush of sales apparently after Vegas was uh, bump stocks, the, yeah, these gun right. modifications that let you turn a semi-auto into basically an automatic. Uh, but the, the gun industry's been sort of floundering. I mean, like every other sector of American capitalism at this point, it's not enough to just do the same level of business you did last year. Everybody's got to be growing, growing, growing all the time or uh, their their shareholders get very upset. So the gun industry has been failing to do a tidy business after a bunch of people get shot, which is part of their business model. That's part of why you're seeing the NRA get so aggressively um, propagandistic in its public facing uh, advertising they're, they're putting dana lash on your screen all the time Ugh. warning you about the looming race war effectively um there's there's a them who are trying to take away our country um and you know disrespect our troops and our soldiers and light cars on fire mm -hmm. and whatever mm -hmm. whatever whatever uh, and and the thing you should do about that is go buy more guns right. that's that's the sign to me the, of a flailing industry yeah, of, a, yeah. of a frightened industry of an industry that's right. looking at its bottom line and for the first time in probably many a year actually having that classic retail experience of as Thanksgiving comes going, boy, I hope people show up at 3 a.m. on Friday because we need this. Yeah, right. Uh, the other thing they do is, of course, um, uh, call all these protesters Antifa, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have, you know, have you been following this case no, that's going on down no, the street? No. So this is, yeah, this you, is, you have, this is why I to ask you about it. Right. Yeah, so, so all this goes back to January 20th, to, to Inauguration Day this year. There's a group of people... Uh, from diverse uh, sectors of the sort of general left uh, who organized a protest, a, a set of protests on Inauguration Day. This was separate from the National Women's March. Where, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, which million, was the day two million after. people, whatever right. it was, yeah. out, half a million, whatever it was, right. where they, they dwarfed the crowds of the actual inaugural and, yeah. and filled the streets for hours and you couldn't get anywhere and it was pretty wild. This is, this is on Inauguration Day when, uh, for people who don't live in D.C., uh, a huge swath of the northwest corner of, uh, of of the city is just completely locked down, basically, by Secret Service and the Metropolitan Police Department and the National mm -hmm. Guard. Uh, there was this big group of people that included some outright anarchist types and also included a bunch of other uh, sort of affinity groups, as they call themselves, um, who all came together under the, under the auspices of a sort of unity branding thing that they were calling Disrupt J20 where they wanted to inconvenience people who were happy about the election were coming to D.C. to stand there and watch their, their boy get, get crowned uh, on, the, on the Capitol steps. Uh, and so as part of what happened that day, a group of a couple hundred people wearing all black, some of them, many of them with their faces covered, marched from Logan Circle down to uh, near our offices at McPherson Square, Franklin Square, around in a couple of sort of loop-de-loops, um, and eventually got... Uh, kettled in by the Metropolitan Police, and there was a mass arrest of about of about 300 people on the mm -hmm. day. Um, a little under 200 of them have st are still facing felony rioting charges for the property destruction and a couple of tussles with cops that you see on video. It, it's a couple of people. It's you know maybe a couple dozen, um, but it's individuals breaking out from this group to smash a window, to throw a rock, to take a swing at a cop. Um, the Hundreds of people arrested in that mass roundup, more than half of them, almost 200 of them, still face serious felony charges, which is not how D.C. usually handles this stuff. And I think is emblematic of this transition of power at the top of the federal system to people who really hate street protest and really hate public dissent against their ideas. So 
All of that's to set up what's going on this past couple of weeks. The first six defendants out of about 200 uh, are on trial now. It's separate trials with one jury. It's sort of a mess. I've been in court as many days as I could be. Uh, they're they're sort of reliant on playing videos for the jury at length. That there's all these like weird technological hiccups. They keep they keep oh. being like mm. Windows error message pop up type type <laughs> things that disrupt the trial. Um, but but under that sort of farcical stuff, there's a really scary thing on the line here, which is the longstanding definition of where the First Amendment protections of public dissent and assembly end, and where criminal law about property damage and rioting begin, the, the, the feds are, the prosecutors in this case, are trying to shift that line pretty dramatically. Uh, and as part of that, they're trying to associate all six of these people who are currently on trial with Antifa. Um, and they had this long argument with the judge the other day in court about how to define that for the jury or whether to define that for the jury. And it, 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 it was this funny moment sitting there in court felt like this conversation that's been happening in public discourse and with pundits and on Twitter for for months now about you know is it is it morally right to punch Nazis effectively um, was suddenly a live issue in a courtroom in a in a criminal case where people face dozens maybe decades uh, of years in 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 prison for having been present when people smashed so them. is the ultimate goal here to ban street protests I don't think so. I think what they're trying to do is chill speech. They're trying to make sure that this is a group of people, you know, somebody hopped on the Mark train, came down from Baltimore to be there that morning and uh, to help out as a, a street medic in case people got pepper sprayed or got beat up by, you know, people who don't like the left, um, who weren't cops. Um, people flew in from, from across country. I think the idea here is to uh, frighten people off of joining uh, these demonstrations, which that's that's the whole that's where yeah. the word comes from, right? Is it's right. to demonstrate, hey, there are a lot of us who don't like what you're doing, and we're unhappy enough about it that we took the time and spent the money and whatever else to be here and march around and chant things. Um, and the idea here, I think, is to uh, dissuade people from participating in those things by uh, by by blanketing everyone who was arrested on January 20th in the sort of black mask of Antifa. And and to criminalize uh, the the organizing and the the tactics that Antifa uses, and I personally remain pretty ambivalent about those tactics, but uh, I don't think it's very a very good sign for our society, for our democracy, to start criminalizing to paint everybody with that yeah. uh, to paint everybody uh, with that brush. Yeah. Uh, you've written this morning about uh, James O'Keefe, uh, Project Veritas. Uh, yeah, doesn't that and, sound like sort of a breakfast cereal sometimes? It, yeah, no, it, it, it's like a like a bad breakfast cereal. But I mean, sorry. Yes, I did. I did write about him this morning. Um, and uh, the Washington Post has uh, has an article this morning that apparently this effort to infiltrate the Washington Post and to plant this fake news story mm-hmm. uh, about Roy Moore, they've been working at it for a long time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This woman that, that they were using as their fake reporter, uh, trying to get the um, conf- gain the confidence of, right. of Washington Post reporters and everything, and they failed. Then the Washington Post blew their cover, right? Flipped it around on them. Uh, yeah, exactly. So and the, is and that the? Uh, by the way, I, I did notice this little footnote here that um, James O'Keefe was paid last year by and by uh, Project Veritas three hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. Yeah, he's doing he's nice doing pretty well for himself. Nice work for fake news. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, for Literal spreading fake, fake news. Yeah. Well, and so so yeah. So this Wapo thing is the latest in a string, I think, of of pretty obvious 
screw ups, um, wow. failures to, to achieve what he set out to do. I remember on, on Election Day last year, I was in Philadelphia for Think Progress um, and O'Keefe and his gang were there, too, apparently driving around trying to find the mythical bus full of black people who aren't really supposed to be voting or who have already voted in one county. And now they're being driven to another to vote again with fake IDs or whatever. Never, never got anything yeah. out of it. Um, so this this piece that I, that I put up this morning uh, is premised on the idea that for a lot of us, jo- James O'Keefe has become a laughingstock. But he remains very dangerous because when the material he does manage to put together, however bumbling, however incompetent, however utterly false in its premise, gets picked up by people who are competent, people who aren't bumbling, people who have uh, a pretty clear idea of how to achieve something Mm. grim, um, it becomes a quite effective weapon. And honestly, I think it remains to be seen yet how they're, even though they completely failed and even though the post has um, if you actually watch the videos he's putting out from this stuff, they show post reporters being diligent, professional, skeptical of everything, yeah. like high quality journalists. They show them doing good journalism. It remains to be seen how that stuff will play, because I think all you really need is the innuendo of their their. See, we told you there's something there's something screwy here. I didn't actually watch it. I don't know what it says, but James O'Keefe, it's I, it, somehow this is all fake. Um, the same kind of thing is going on down the street at this courthouse right now. O'Keefe's videos are playing a central role in this trial because they infiltrated the planning meetings of Disrupt J20, and they have a couple of uh, people who are involved in uh, negotiating between groups and planning out who's going to be where when uh, on tape while, from from their from from O'Keefe's uh, goons. Right, and the the government doesn't have any of their own recordings inside those meetings, so they've been playing James O'Keefe's tapes, which are which are. Trimmed wow. in a couple places, wow. edited in a couple places. They haven't yet offered an explanation for the edits. But, you know, so why wouldn't uh, James O'Keefe? Why shouldn't he get away with uh, with uh, fake videos? Because Donald Trump is retweeting fake videos, as we know. Sure. We don't have time to really get into that now. We talked about it earlier, uh, and the White House defending it, saying, "Yeah, the videos are fake, but you know, it still reinforces." But in his- your heart, you know it's true. Exactly. Yep. Reinforces his message. Yep. So like right. I said, the Avengers Infinity War trailer might not be an actual event, but we are going to put up a wall to stop the face invaders <laughs> from coming down here and blowing up New York City. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's it for today. Alan, thanks so much. Thanks for pleasure to be here as always. At thinkprogress.org. Have a great one, folks. Come back and this see This is the Bill tomorrow. Press Show.